0: You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. The series that we're looking at today is actually a series out of Saddleback Church, Rick Warren in Southern California. I've met Rick. I've definitely been over the years impressed by uh, just his learning and how God has worked in his life. Uh, it's the same church that really uh, launched Celebrate Recovery into existence uh, back in the day. And uh, just done a phenomenal job with that. If you're a part of CR in our church, you just know how valuable it is for people with hurts and habits and hang-ups. And uh, even during the course of this series, you might realize, man... I, you know, there's a little flyer in your bulletin that CR is not just for people with drug or alcohol-type substance issues. It's for people with codependency. It's for people with boundary issues. It's for people with anger or other. We all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And it may be something that over the next 50 days, you decide, man, I'm going to get involved with CR and just begin to look and have some goals for my life where I keep getting stuck. Why? Because you and I, we want to transform. We don't want to stay the way they are. God loves you right where you're at. But he loves you too much to leave you right there. He loves you right where you're at. Hurts, habits, hang-ups, mess, everything. But he loves you too much just to leave you right there. How do we know this? If you have your Bible with me, open to Romans chapter two. Uh, Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse 2. We're going to look at all sorts of verses today. And if you're fast, good job. If not, they'll be on the screen. And uh, we'll do that. But the first verse is this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Let me just time out right there. Everything in life tries to make us conform to the pattern of the world. Everything in life is trying to push us through advertising and through what we're to believe or not believe or how we're to tolerate things or not tolerate things or how we're to buy things or not buy things. And some of you this week were tempted to buy an Apple Watch. And you were conformed. You're being pressured. You're being conformed to the pattern of the world. And yet God's word says, do not be conformed to the pattern of the world. He goes on, but be transformed By the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And this series, we begin to look at it and say, God, how do you transform me? How does transformation happen? How does growth actually happen? Will you pray with me as we just start? God, we just come along and just say, Lord, sometimes we just get, uh, we slide a bit. We just get content with where we're at. We get complacent. And God, I pray that during this series, you would awaken our hearts. God, would you awaken your church by the power of your Holy Spirit? God, would you awaken us to dream again, to think outside the box, to begin to take initiative in areas of our life where we've been coasting? So God, would you do that in us? Would you do it through us? Would you do it to your glory? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want you to understand something from that verse we just looked at. God wants you to be a nonconformist. He wants you to be a non-conformist. He wants you to not conform to the pattern of the world, but he wants you to be transformed. And here's the truth, you're either in process of being conformed or you're in the process of being transformed. It's one or the other, right? You're either slowly being conformed more and more to look like the world or you're being transformed to be more and more in the likeness of God and your motivations are what other people think and other people do in the world or what Jesus thinks and what God's heart is as it applies to your life. You're being transformed one way or another or you're being conformed into looking like the world. Here at Sun Grove Church, we say that you understand your identity, who I am in Christ, That you are a son or daughter of the most high God, whom he loves and with whom he's well pleased. And yet he wants to continue to transform you. He wants to continue to work and grow your life. Then we say you get in formation. That's where you and I, our faith, we're tried and tested and tempted. That's where we fail sometimes and we get back up and we begin again. And that's where we walk through and we begin to understand as our mind is being transformed, God, who do you say I am and how do I actually live that out? Formation. Then we move to community, that we need other people around us, a brotherhood, a sisterhood. We need to walk along with other people. And then we go to mission, where we basically, if you under, understand us at Sun Grove Church, we say encounter God. You do that all the time. Every day, once want you to encounter God. Then grow through community. You grow with other people around you. You rarely grow by yourself. And then third, you live your calling. When you leave here today, you'll see signs on the way out of our little placards we put out there. As you're leaving the parking lot today, you'll see him say, live your calling. Why? Because we want what happens in here to make a difference in the world out there. That we gather to worship here, but we are the church and we want the church to make a difference in the world out there. We want each of you to use your unique gifted, unique interest to live your calling in our world. God created you to be unique. God created you to be special. God created you to be like nobody else. You've got a unique voice print. Thumbprint, handprint, heartbeat, DNA, and eye map. You ever go to the eye doctor and they map the back side of the cornea of your eye and you're like, wow, that's unique to me. God made you and I very unique. God doesn't make clones. People do. We all try to look like each other, dress like each other, talk like each other, right? People make clones, but God doesn't make clones. He made you very unique. He says, I want you to be unique. Don't be conformed to anybody else's idea of what you should be, but be transformed by God to being more and more who he's called you to be. The problem is we all start off as originals, but we end up conforming and looking like one another. We end up kind of cloning and looking like other people around us. And that's not what God wants. Our world is trying to conform us and push us and pressure us to be in its mold. During the next seven weeks, we are going to look at seven key areas of your life and the changes that you need to make, changes you want to make, and changes that you can make because of God's power in your life. So we have to ask the question, why is setting goals important to changing my life? Why in the world would we do that? I mean, you know, some people think setting goals is like things athletes do, or, or it's like a business term, and that's what business should do, and they should. But why is it important to changing my life? If you're taking notes today, you'll understand first that goal setting is a spiritual responsibility. It's a spiritual responsibility. You're going to go through life either by design, where you're choosing and making goals, or you go by, through life by default. That is, you're either going through life and you're going to go and set goals and you're going to decide what's important in life and you're going to pursue those goals or other people are going to decide what's important for you. You know how it is, sometimes you might schedule your day out. This is what to accomplish all I need to do. This is what my day should look like. And then what happens, you go through that and it's fairly easy for you at times to say no to other things because you have a plan, you've got a goal. There are other days you didn't plan your day. And guess what happens, your day plans you. You begin reacting to just whatever happens in your day and your day looks nothing like what you thought it might look like. You and I are either going through a life by design or by default. We are either designing and participating with what God wants to do in and through us, or you and I are reacting. We're reacting to circumstances and people and the world and our day takes a hold of us. In a sense, we're letting other people decide it for us. We're letting them control our lives. If you don't have goals for your life, you're not actually living. You're just reacting. You're like just existing. Like you just get out of bed in the morning. And the only reason you get out of bed in the morning maybe just there's no reason to get up if you don't have goals of life, uh, except maybe to eat. But then if you just get up and you eat, there's really no point in your life. You really want to continue to have goals in your life that you want purpose in your life. And people who lose purpose in life oftentimes get stuck. They're just coasting. And when you're coasting, I don't know about you, but when I'm coasting, it's typically downhill. You don't coast very long uphill, do you? can't relax. You can't settle down. And when we walk with our relationship with God, we want to be pressing in. We want to be pursuing Him. If we coast, we're going to just coast downhill, and it's taking us in a direction we don't necessarily want to go. We react to circumstances. We let other people decide what our life is going to be like, and we end up wasting our life because we haven't clarified what's important. This is a very important spiritual discipline Otherwise, you're going to allow others to wreck your life. Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. He said, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that, listen, for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul understands. I was on the road to Damascus. My goal in life was to persecute Christians was to denounce them, to grab them, throw them in prison, kill some of them, take their families, throw them all in prison. That was his goal in life. And guess what happened? All pursuing that goal, Christ broke into his life and took hold of him. So what does he say now? He says, listen, I haven't obtained all of this or already arrived at my goal. I'm still working at it. He says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining forward to what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things, and if on some point you think differently, God, or that too, God will make clear to you. Setting goals is a spiritual responsibility. That we pursue, that we press in, that we pursue relationship with God, that we want to encounter Him. Part of the reason you're here today is you want to encounter God. What a shame to go to church and to listen and to sing, but guard or shield your heart from encountering the living God. Part of His design as you and I come together is that you encounter Him today. That You might hear His voice speaking to your heart, that you know the Holy Spirit is here to work in. And work through you that's a beautiful thing but goals are not just a spiritual responsibility they are statements of faith Matthew chapter 9 Jesus is healing some people and he comes with these blind people who want to see Matthew 9 29 says then he touched their eyes and said according to your faith let it be done to you goals are actually statements of faith and some of you say, well, isn't that like a business thing or something that athletes do? Or No, it's, setting goals is a spiritual habit that you develop, and goals are statements of faith. In other words, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you set a goal, what you're saying is, I believe, right, that's faith, that's I believe, that God wants me to accomplish such and such by such and such a time. A goal is a statement of faith, and this is what I believe God is going to do in my life. And it takes faith. Faith is not something that you, that you receive. You don't receive faith, you give faith. You say, I believe, you give belief to God. So you say, God, I'm setting a goal and I'm believing that as I participate with you, you're gonna accomplish that goal, but I've gotta have some right motives. I've gotta make sure in certain ways that it's doing what you want, but God, I'm stepping out. It requires you along with what I'm doing to step forward. And it. it's a statement of faith. It's not much of a goal if you could just accomplish it by your willpower. It's not much of a goal if it doesn't require any faith. Because goals are a statement of faith. They stretch your faith. Faith is a muscle that must be exercised for it to grow. And so sometimes when you and I I set goals, what we're doing is we're saying, God, you're going to stretch me. Beyond my abilities, you're going to cause me to grow. The bigger your goal, the more your faith will be stretched. And the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if you don't have any faith, you you can't really please God. If you don't have any goals, then frankly, you don't need any faith. And if you don't need any faith, the Bible says it's impossible to please God. So if I'm going to go through life and not risk, if I'm going to go through life and not have any goals, then I really don't need faith. And let me tell you, with faith... It's impossible to please God, and if I don't take any risks, then I don't have any faith. And when I don't have any faith, I'm actually being unfaithful with my life, the stewardship of my abilities, my gifts, my time, my treasure, my talents. We need goals, it's a spiritual discipline, and goals are actually statements of faith. You know, we looked for three years for this building. In faith that God would give us an all-in-one facility not to just be a church But that this would be a launching platform to take people out and and let me tell you We had a goal and there were lots of people along the way and organizations that tried to dissuade us from our goal or redirect us from our goal But here's what happened. We had a goal, but listen to me God had the power See it's one thing to have the goal, right? But if it's left up to us, we might quit along the way We might say there was so much opposition in getting into this building from a financial viewpoint. From an ability, could we do it? There was other, you know, there were a lawsuit that got thrown at us that former owners sued Bank of America and they named us in the lawsuit and we had to go through that and we had to go through all sorts of things. And God kept removing those barriers. God kept, why? Because we we said, God, we're gonna do work like it's up to us but we clearly understand that you have the power. That if we get in here, it is up to you. And God removed the mountains, removed the barriers. Why? We had a goal, but we understood God has the power. When you have a goal in your life, you need to understand I've got a goal, but God has the power. Otherwise, you're performing to try to please Him, and He's saying, I don't work that way. I always work with a person to stretch their faith as they pursue a goal. It's a together exercise. I have a goal personally to see Sundays be the least segregated day of the week, as we come together as one age, as we come together as multiple ages, as we come together as multiple races, as we come together as multiple unique, diverse people, but we worship and celebrate the one true living God. I have a dream that our church reflects more and more Outgrove in our surrounding areas and extends across the world. I have a dream for that. I am seeking God for goals that extend far beyond this campus. Angel Warrior has a dream that God would eradicate sex trafficking in India, the entire nation, in her lifetime. That takes faith. That's above and beyond that, right? And it takes the goal, but it takes the power of God to accomplish it. If it's left up to one person or one church or one organization, it will not be accomplished. But God is one who mobilizes his people to do what seems at times impossible. Goals are statements of faith. And we want to be Faith-filled, big-thinking, big-dreaming people. And God participates with that. It's when he shows up the best. So we need goals in our lives. But not only are goals statements of faith, goals focus my energy. First Corinthians 9.26, Paul is saying, he says, Listen, therefore I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. They focus our energy. When you have a goal, you resource it, Right? When you have a goal, you resource it with equipment, with personnel, with teams, with time, with energy. When that's your goal, you're going to start to resource so that you can accomplish your goal. Part of that resourcing is God's involvement. That he comes along to empower where we cannot. That he removes barriers where we cannot. That God begins to work when you and I do a goal. Let me tell you, it focuses your energy. As a soccer player, I always found it was a lot less tiring to have the ball and dribble toward the opposing goal and wanna shoot at the goal than it was reacting to them having the ball and going back against our goal. That it really was always, my energy was always more focused. Maybe you play basketball and it's always, you suddenly have a burst of energy when you got the ball and you're driving toward the hoop. In the same way, when you and I have a goal in our life, it focuses the energy, it helps us make sense. And he says, I don't just beat Beat the air like a boxer beating the air. I don't just, you know, just uh, do things randomly, aimlessly. But I fight. I run. That's what he's doing. Manny Pacquiao, Pac-Man. I don't know if you know Manny Pacquiao, the boxer, Pac-Man. He's going to fight Floyd Mayweather on May 2nd. And I'm looking forward to that fight. But the amazing thing I'm really looking forward to is just the difference Manny, just about a year and a half ago, two years ago, gave his life to Jesus Christ. He stopped the carousing. He sold his casinos. He sold his bars. He started to serve the people. He begins to train right now as one, and every time on his Instagram and everything, he's giving glory to God. He's saying, God, to you be the glory. Today's my morning run. Today I'm, I'm boxing. I'm getting ready to fight Floyd Mether. And he's not like appealing to God to win. As he's training, God is changing his character. The real win is what God's doing in Manny, not Manny's worldly success. And he may win. We'll see what happens. We don't know the future. But he's giving glory to God. In fact, today, he is giving his testimony at Westside Shepherd of the Hills, which was a multi site church that I planted in Southern California before coming up here for our Shepherd of the Hills Church that I worked at. I was the first campus pastor of that multi-site in West LA, right there by UCLA. And today he's there giving an interview and his testimony to that entire church as he's training and coming up to that May 2nd fight. Well, he's running. He doesn't run aimlessly. He's not like just beating the air, he's preparing to fight. But the difference is now his goal comes along involving God, before he trained, and before he fought, and before he won, but he knows what Manny Pacquiao can do, but now we're going to see what Manny Pacquiao and God can do in Manny Pacquiao, regardless of the fight. How is he changing that man? He stopped his carousing, he's faithful to his wife and his children, complete shift in his life. Well, goals not only focus my energy, but they keep me going. Job chapter six, verse 11, Job has gone through some amazing tragedy in his life. He's at this just down point point. he says this, what strength do I have that I should hope? What prospects that I should be patient? Let me tell you something, when you're going through hell, what do you do? You keep going, you don't stop in the hell experiences life and set up camp and stay overnight and, and just want to maybe build a house there. That's not what you do. When you're going through hell, you want to keep going because it's brutal. Life at times is brutal. And we know as we've studied recently that with hope, you can rise above your circumstances, keep calm and carry on. But Job is going through and as a human, he's expressing this. And later in the book, we see how much he puts his hope in God, that his hope is in the Lord and the brutalities of life. The way you do that is to have a goal beyond, right? You're going through awful experiences. You need to be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. You need to have hope in the living God. And so that's what you do. The Bible says that Jesus, listen, endured the cross because he looked forward to the goal and the glory that was set out before him. See, the only reason Jesus endured the suffering that we've just celebrated of the cross and then the tomb and then the empty tomb is because he looked and he said, I am willing out of my love and my goal to rescue people and bring them back together in relationship with me. I'm willing to endure hell to have you in heaven. And so he was willing to go through that because he had you in mind and me in mind as he bore our sin on the cross Then he rose victorious over the grave, and he had a relationship with him. That was the goal. That was the reason he left heaven, became flesh, lived a perfect life, and died for your sin and mine. Why? You and I need to do this too. There are painful experiences, painful times in life, and you and I need a goal beyond the end of the painful experiences. The Bible says that God wants to make you have hope. If you don't have a goal in your life or goals in your life, you really don't have any reason to get out of bed in the morning. God wants you and I to keep going, to keep going. Not only that, but goals build my character. They build my character. Philippians 3 verse 12 says this, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. We looked at this verse. Again, Paul understood Christ took hold of me. So what do I do now? I press on for the goal that he had in the the beginning, that I am changed, that I am renewed, that I'm transformed, and I'm gonna press into that and serve him and bring him glory in my lifetime. The greatest benefit to your life over the goals that you're going to set in the next 50 days, the biggest benefit to your life is not gonna be the accomplishments or the achievements that you make in that time period. It's what happens inside you that is of the greatest benefit. While you're moving toward that goal, God begins changing you and me on the inside. God is more interested in your character than your accomplishments. And ultimately, what we take to heaven is the character that God's built in us, who we have become as we begin to relate in relationship to our Lord. Now, don't be discouraged. God wants to do great and amazing, mighty things through you. And that's not just for, like, super Christians. It's saying you live out of the gifts that he's given you, your gifts, your uniquenesses, your interests. God wants to work in that, where you are with the things that only you can do. And the benefit is he rewards that in eternity. But right now, he's interested in building our character. And for you and for me, goals help build our character because of what God works in, interested in you. God is interested in you. So here's the idea. While I'm working on the goal, God is working in me. See how that works? So now I'm working, Lord, I'm setting a goal, and it's going to require some stretching and some faith. And as I'm working on that over the next 50 days, God's going to begin working in me. That's what God wants to do in your life. God helps build character oftentimes through goals. And that's going to last for eternity. And take heart on that because good goals will be rewarded. Proverbs 11 verse 27 says, Whoever seeks good finds favor. Another word for favor in that context is respect but evil comes with the one who searches for it. Do you want to find favor? Do you want to be respected? Well, then you need some good goals, and good goals will be rewarded in eternity. The church oftentimes downplays that whole idea. It sounds like we're striving for heavenly reward, but the truth is we're striving for the glory of God, and God wants to work in and through us, and as we do that, God takes note, and God keeps track in heaven. There will be scorekeeping when you and I get to heaven because he's going to say, how did you steward your life on this earth, this little segment, and now in eternity, I want to reward you of course I reward you with the crown of life that we lay back at the throne and say, God, it's all you, it's all you, it's all you. But then he says, enter the pleasures at my right hand. God basically gives us heavenly reward. And this is our little window on earth right now when we have opportunity to serve him, to love him, to live for eternity in a way that gets rewarded. Do you want to find favor? Do you want to be respected? Well, it takes some good goals. First, Corinthians chapter 9 verse 25, 26, he says, everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. What kind of goals does God bless? We have to ask three questions. Listen, you might set up some great goals, but God's going to say, what's your motivation, right? He's going to say, there are three questions you and I need to ask whenever you and I set a goal. Number one on your outline is this, will it honor God? Any goal that causes you to trust God more, depend on God more, to love God more, to love other people more, to serve God more, to serve others more, to be more unselfish, these are going to be good goals. Paul says it this way in three different passages as he writes to the church in Corinth, He says this in 1 Corinthians. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So, okay, Lord, I'm a steward of my body. What do I need to do over the next 50 days to honor you? How do I continue to allow my body to be set apart, to be holy? How do I take care as a steward of this physical body you've given me all my time on earth? Then, 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. In other words, again, does your goal honor God? What about how you deal with how you feel when you talk to like my emotional health. We're going to talk about our mental health. We're going to talk about our vocational health. We're going to talk about all sorts of health over the next seven weeks. And what I want you to understand is this. You got to say, but does this honor God? Or am I simply propping myself up to make me better? Other people think better of me. Does it honor the Lord? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. Paul says, so we make it our goal to please him whether we are at home in the body or away from it. In other words, living or dead, we want to give God glory. We want to honor him in how we work, in how we love, in how we relate, in all these different areas of our lives. The second question we ask is this. Is it motivated by love? God's not going to bless a heart that's motivated by greed. You know, I want to make a lot of money. God's not going to bless your goal if it's motivated by greed. God's not gonna bless a a goal that's motivated by competition. I want my company to be better than that company. God's not gonna bless that. God wants you to strive after him and his glory. God's not gonna bless a goal motivated by envy. God's not gonna bless a goal motivated by grief or by guilt or by grudges. That's just not how he works. He's not gonna honor a goal that's built on worry or anxiety. Or fear. Why? Because when you and I are afraid, now it doesn't mean that we're not nervous or we're we're waiting to see how God is going to work in all this. But when you are, it's so hard for us. If if we're motivated by anxiety or fear, we can't have faith because perfect love casts out fear. So what happens when you love God, you're going to reach toward faith. But, but you've got to get away from the fear. God's not going to say, hey, your goal is so fear-oriented. I want your goal to remove the fear so that you trust me. You're going to see me work. It's going to stretch your faith. Because fear always keeps faith contained. But good goals begin to let God exercise our faith muscles. It's a beautiful thing. God's not gonna bless a goal that's motivated by materialism or by ego or by pride, but when you set a good goal out of love, God, I wanna do this because I love you and I wanna love other people, God's gonna honor that because it's all about love. Life is learning how to love, that's what life is, because life is gonna have season of gain, life is gonna have seasons of loss. How do you love when you lose? How do you love when you relinquish other people to eternity? How do you love when you operate your business and go through your life? It's all about love. First Corinthians chapter 16, Paul says to the church in Corinth, do everything in love. In other words, what's the ultimate motivation? Like Christ, it's love, God's love for us so strong that he would come to earth and do that. And some of us, it's hard at times, right? If you're a parent in this room, you get what I mean. Those little children, you might be the CEO of a company, but that three-year-old starts to push back against you, and suddenly you find yourself in a tough spot. You're like, how in the world do I do this, right? This, this, little, this little person just has a very fiercely strong will, and, and sometimes you're like, man, I wish I could just learn parenting so my kids wouldn't bother me anymore. You think I just want to learn parenting so that they comply, they become compliant. Well, that would be a motivation out of selfishness, right? Just so they're not bothering me. But there's a big difference when you begin to have a motivation out of love. God, I want your character to be developed in my children so they learn how to love other people so they work against the selfish little person that they are hardwired with at this age. That God, I want that as they grow and become older, they encounter you, they grow through community, and they live their calling. I want them to be able to celebrate one another. God, I want as a parent to be able to be on the same values as my children. I'm going to be highly involved with them, but I don't know how to do it. Heather and I didn't know how to do it. We had to go take a class. We had to get ourselves on the same page. Why? But our motivation wasn't compliance. Our motivation with them was love. God, we love these children. And I don't want to resent them. I don't want to not like being their dad or their mom. I I want to love them and build in them the character that you desire. We went and took a class because it helped us get on the same page and get consistent with one another. In fact, right now we've got a parenting class coming up. Parenting practices for school age children, April 26th through May 17th. It's upstairs second service. You might say, hey, for the next X number of weeks, I'm gonna come first hour, or I'm gonna come at 6 p.m., but I'm gonna make sure I'm at that parenting class because I just need those basics. Why? Because you're setting a goal. Out of a goal, I wanna have good motivation for my children. Out of love, I want to help raise them, and I just, I need some help. I can get a driver's license by taking a little test and doing a little study of a booklet, parenting, so you're just stuck. Whatever, whatever you're with, you need help there. So what? Set a good goal. You need it, right? What else does it depend on? Number three, it will require depending on God. I want you to hear that. When you and I set good goals, and we have to, we have to look at these things. It, it requires depending on God. Three questions. Will it honor God? Is it motivated by love? And will it require depending on God? See, because if you can do a goal on your own, well, good for you. Great for your willpower. But God's saying, listen, I want to participate with you. He says this in Proverbs 16, verse 9. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their step. What's he saying? You and I normally just plan our course, but God's the one who comes along and establishes our steps. He's the one who's the difference maker. He's the one who comes along and knows the big picture. And that's what we're gonna do during this 50 days of transformation. You get to plan the way that you wanna live. This series is destined to help you live the rest of your life and make it the best of your life. We plan the way that we wanna live. But it says this, listen, only God gives us the power, gives us the energy, gives us the ability to actually do it, to make the transformation happen. Why? Because God provides three things that you must have in order to reach your goal. If you're taking notes today, the first one is this, I need God's spirit to empower me. Zechariah 4, 6, so he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, listen, not by my might, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. When I was in college, I had to take a language. And languages were not my strong suit. I took Spanish one twice in high school. I, guess, I just wanted a little extra time, I guess. I took Spanish two then, you know, uh, while well, I was in high school. Then I got to college and I thought, well, when I go to seminary, when I go to my graduate school, I've got to take Greek and Hebrew. I've got to learn those languages. So if I have to take language in college, I might as well take Greek. So I go and I'm telling you, I got in that class and first we had to learn, we had to learn classic Greek and then we had to learn Koine Greek, which is the age and language of the Bible that the New Testament was written in. And and I got in that class and it was all Greek to me, literally, like it made no sense. Like, like I was struggling and I tried hard. I mean, I really tried to go for it with like the whole Greek thing. And I was, you know, doing my work and all that and and literally, and I'm not kidding here, I think my professor gave me a C minus just help me graduate Dave God bless you you're better at other things you know so I tried to do it and I knew what I could do because Dave Flake tried it and that's what Dave in his own power could do well I graduated then I went to seminary my second year of seminary I had to take Greek at a graduate level and I just had to humble myself God I can't do this I need you to do it in me. Every day, we literally, I would get up at 6 in the morning and I would study We had an 8.30 class and we had a quiz every day in class. So I would get up and and I'd be tired, wiping the the sleep out of my eyes and be like, God, I can't do this. You have got to do this in me and through me. I am just humbly, I'm submitting myself to you. You've got to do it. And I just humbled myself to say, God, it's got to be your power. I got A's in Greek in seminary. And I understood it. We'd already established what Dave could do, wasn't very good. But when we humble ourselves before God and say, God, I need your spirit to empower me, you'll be shocked, transformationally at what God can do in and through you. But it takes you humbling yourself, not by might or power. And that's how we operate in our culture. Bring your game, right? Well, Dave's game was C minus. I needed the game of the Lord Almighty. And he can do great things in and through. it's not based on willpower. Secondly, I need God's word to guide me. This book, I need it as my guide. Joshua 1.8 says, keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. That means study it. Stay with it. Encounter God. Really understand what does it mean? What did it mean to the people it was written to? What does it mean now to me in this day and age, in my life? God, what are you? I'm meditating. I'm thinking on your word so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. I certainly need God's spirit to empower me, and I need God's word to guide me. This book, the Bible, is the owner's manual for life. The more that you get this book into your mind and into your heart and into your life, you read it, you study it, you memorize it, you meditate on it, the more successful, the more fulfilled, the more empowered you're going to be in your life. Because you're participating with God's instructions for how life needs to operate. And third, I need God's people to support me. Ecclesiastes 4.12, this is just a wisdom principle, but Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the author of it, he's saying, let me give you some wisdom. Let me just give you some basic wisdom on how this works, because you're gonna need God's people to support you. So what do you say? The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, but he's almost like, but listen, a cord of three strands, three, is not easily, not quickly broken we need other people around us. You will not be able to reach your goals on your own. I'm not able to reach my goals on my own. It takes a team to fulfill a dream. When we see what God is doing in and through this place, it's because of you. It's because of people that we come together as a team and we say, how do we use and leverage our giftedness? How do we serve? How do we make a difference in the world out there because of what's happening in here? When we look at the production level of a Sunday, I couldn't do it all. I don't know how to start, where it all is, but I can do what Dave can do. And the same for you, it takes a team to fulfill a dream. You need people in your life, people who say, typically in our culture, they'll be like, I'm too busy, I, I can't add something, I can't add a small group, I'm too busy, I'm fried. When people say that in our world oftentimes, I gotta tell you something, they're not actually overcommitted or too busy, they're discouraged. Their pace of life may be no different than it was six months ago, but what happens? You and I say, I'm fried, I'm too busy, I'm overwhelmed. What's the difference? We're actually discouraged. And when we're discouraged, we stop dreaming. And we need other people who will come alongside us and encourage us. We need people who will know when you're sick, people who will know when you're down, people who will know when you're down, down, do be down, down. They just need to know what's going on in your life. You just need people around you. And a crowd can't support you, but a community group can. And you can encourage others in that. And I want to just suggest for you over the next 50 days as we walk through this series to get involved in a, transfer, in a community group because it's there that you'll begin to lay down the foundation of trust and relationship and begin to talk about what we talk about here and study. If you just come on the weekend and you just, you just sit and you listen, after 50 days your life probably won't be much different. But if you read and you study and you honor the Lord and you get involved where you talk about it with other people, your life is gonna absolutely change because a community group can support you. They'll know when you've been sick. They'll know when you're having a tough time or you've had a bad day. They'll also know when you're flying high and we need a brotherhood, a sisterhood around us who will support us. This is gonna be fun over the next 50 days. It's gonna change your life if you will do it. If you will read and watch and talk and do you'll grow if all you do is come to church on the weekends probably not much is going to happen but if over the next 50 days you say god help me help me set the right goals help me to set good goals i want to participate with you we'll go week by week and you can set goals about how you want god to transform and change your life but get ready for it begin to open your heart this week to say god i've done goals before and i've always failed God's like, I'm going to stretch your faith muscles. Do it with me. Let me participate with you. It's going to be awesome. If you read and watch and discuss and do it, you will not be the same person in 50 days. You will be a better person. Will you pray with me? God, we are so grateful for you. We thank you for your work in our lives. And as, God, we are in a time of prayer, we realize that we're going to start with your first goal, that your goal was to come to earth was to take responsibility for our sin, to die for it on the cross, and to pay our penalty that we deserve, but you took it upon yourself. And the first step to achieving any goal with you, God, is relationship with you. We may know all about you. We may understand things about you. But if we don't have relationship with you, God, we don't even take the first step. So today, if you're realizing that the first step for you is to say yes to Jesus, it's just introducing yourself in relationship to the God of the universe. It's simply by praying a prayer to him like this. And if that's you today, you just pray it right where you're seated. You just pray it silently. God, hears your heart. But you pray this. Jesus, today I'm saying yes to you. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I put faith in the fact that you rose from the dead. I ask you to come into my life and transform me Make me a new creation by your Holy Spirit. I don't even know what that looks like, but God, I believe that you can do that in me. So Jesus, today I'm taking the first step. I'm saying yes to you. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.